Hello and welcome to this episode of Beef Tips and Gravy. I'm John Houston, Director of Business Services for Protrition Feed. Thank you for joining us this evening. I'm happy to introduce our guest this evening, Mr. Kevin Johnson with Merck Animal Health. Kevin is our safeguard specialist and we're pleased, Kevin, for, that you've taken this opportunity to uh, be with us today. And uh, we want to talk specifically about uh, deworming cattle and, and how safeguard would fit into that. Uh, certainly, you know, over the years, we've had a great relationship uh, with Safeguard, and, and there's some very, very easy ways to uh, utilize this product and, and do a good job. So we want to talk about, first of all, tell us why in the world would a, would a beef producer want to even be concerned about uh, deworming their cows? Well, John, uh, first of all, thank you, and I appreciate the invite and the opportunity to, to talk today a little bit about deworming programs for beef cattle. And uh, I think you're starting off with a great question because I think it's a, it's an issue that we need to talk about, and that is deworming. Um, you know, John, if we look back at some, uh, some information that Iowa State put together back a few years ago, uh, they looked at all the technologies that are available to our beef cattle industry. And when we broke that down by segment, we looked at cow calf, we looked at stalker, and we looked at the feedlot segment. Deworming is still the highest return on investment in the cow calf segment and in the stalker segment. So it is the most valuable thing that we can do is to implement and have a successful deworming program when it comes down to dollars and cents. So I think that that, that lends us into a lot of conversations because if we go back you know, 30 or 40 years, John, we remember when we were first warming cows, we were, we were using boluses and we were using paste products and we were having to really wrestle cattle around and deworm them. And then all of a sudden we had injectable products available to us and we had pour on products. So deworming became a little easier process mm -hmm. and those products worked very well. Uh, but as time has come on, we're learning more and more about some of these dewormers that are out there. And there's probably some things that we need to look at to make sure our deworming program, uh, you know, is still performing for us. So to answer your question, I'd say it's still in stalker and cow calf, the number one technology we can use. Feedlot is number number two behind implants. So still a very important part of the tool there. So I think that, I hope that helps uh, give you some information why we, you know, we sell dewormers and why we think it's important uh, to, to make sure we're monitoring our deworming program so that our cattle can perform to their genetic potential. Right. So, you know, I, I, don't think anyone could argue with the research and the data that's out there that certainly uh, cattle that are dewormed uh, will perform better. There's there's just no question about that, whether it be uh, milk production with mama cows or whether it be uh, weight gain in stalkers. Uh, it's just easier for that bovine to respond to what we're trying to get done and that's sell pounds of beef. So Absolutely. Uh, I, think, uh, I think you've answered that question well. But when we think about uh, deworming, and we think about all the uh, ways that cattle can, uh, I guess, acquire worms. Right. Uh, talk to us a little bit about how we might manage some of that. Well, and I think uh, we we try to talk about it from uh, from a most the most common sense uh, approach that we can. We try to keep it simple, and we try to keep Mother Nature in mind because all of those things can can help us put together a deworming program that once again is going to allow those cattle to perform to their genetic potential. So when we think about deworming, you know, and, and how these cattle pick up these parasites, we've got to remember uh, real quickly the life cycle. So the life cycle of the parasite. So we've got a cow or a calf or a stalker out there and they've got mature worms in their body. And these mature worms, 
are going to be shedding eggs and those eggs come out in the feces and the feces is on the ground and when the weather conditions are right, these eggs develop into larvae and they go through a couple stages of that in the manure pad and then they become an infective L3 larvae, John. And what happens then is they come out of that manure pad and their job is to get into our cows or our calves. So they're going up and down the blades of grass they transport by uh, dew drop or raindrop. They've got to have that, that, that drop of, of moisture to get up and down the blade of grass so that the cattle can consume them. So if we keep that in mind, and we also keep in mind, when does this occur? So when are these parasites active? Uh, right now, we're sitting here today. It's February the first part of February, whatever today is. And uh, we don't have a lot of parasite transmission going on. Uh, typically, if we will keep in mind uh, 28 degrees in the fall, so that's typically, uh, indi it indicates that we've had a killing hard frost. So something will kill your tomato plants, John. Mm -hmm. When we have that happen, typically our parasite activity on the pastures come down. So it gives us a great chance to deworm at that time after that frost because we can clean those cows up for the winter. And why is that important? Well, that's when we're putting our highest input costs in supplement, we're feeding hay, we don't want any parasites robbing that nutrition. Let's feed the cows, not feed the worms. Absolutely. So so we hear a lot today, as you well know, and we, we've both been in the business a long time. And uh, you went back, you know, 30, 35 years when we had all these products. But today, the media in particular and some of the research and uh, talks about the, this word we call resistance. Okay. So talk to us just a little bit about what that means and how we might manage uh, that that situation. Well, and I think, you know, we all became aware of resistance or it became a topic when we think about deworming animals, probably back goes back to about 2008 or 2009. And the USDA uh, did a nationwide survey, th survey through NOMS, the monitoring mm -hmm. service, and they went out and profiled cow-calf herds all across the U.S. And they did, uh, they went onto these herds and they did, did, uh, Fecal testing. So we would go into a herd. Uh, we, we would look at what those fecal counts were prior to treatment uh, with your dewormer. And then they would come back 14 days later, pull fecals again, and we would see what type of reduction we had in the egg counts. That's how we determine the efficacy or how effective a product is working. And so it goes back to those years, John. And that was when we were first starting to hear a lot of farms were either confirmed resistance or those farms were suspected resistance. Well, now fast forward 12 years to today. And I would say that we, we, uh, we are on a very routine basis as we work with producers in the field doing diagnostic work. We're finding that that number of resistant farms or those farms that have resistant parasites is increasing. Uh, so we think that it's very important to utilize some diagnostics uh, to monitor that deworming program. And, you know, Merck offers this service at no charge to their producers to, and that we do a lot of that. We go into these farms, uh, we'll, we'll check their deworming program because if we have some resistance issues, we need to be aware of that because we need to start looking at different products to use. And John, I would say that, that if anybody in the audience is wondering, I would say one indicator that we see is that if you have been using a poron or an injectable deworming for multiple years, I would highly encourage you to do some diagnostics and do some fecal testing because those are typically the farms where we see that we've built up some resistance. Okay. So they haven't had a feed-through dewormer. They haven't been using a, a drench dewormer or, or, or any of the white dewormers, uh, just solely the injectables and porons. That might be a farm that I'd want to take some time to do some diagnostics, still may be working fine, 
but we sure need to know. So you talked about diagnostics and fecal egg counts in, in particular. So tell me just a little bit or tell our audience just a little bit about what a fecal egg count is and, and how what's really looked at there? Well, what we'll do is if we're working with one of our cattle producers is that we would come to the farm and uh, if we just wanted to take a snapshot in time of what's going on, uh, we would go out and uh, we have kits put together and all we're going to do is we're going to go out and collect fe uh, fresh fecal matter off the ground. So we're going to observe the animal, uh, pass some feces so we know we've got a good fresh sample. We're going to uh, take a Ziploc bag. We're going to get about a golf ball size sample and we're going to try to get 20 samples out of that group group, that, that individual or that cohort group. So that will give us a good indication, 20 samples out of that group size of what's going on. And then we can get those results back from our lab and then we can make some decisions on where we're at as far as what type of you know egg counts we have and what type of parasite burden may be going on. The other way that we use the process, John, is that I would come to your place if you said, hey, I want to check and see if my dewormer, how it's still working. Well, we would come out, you'd tell me you're going to work some cows. The first of April, we'd be there that day. We'd pull some fecal samples, a set of 20. Um, that gives us our baseline of our parasite load. And then we would come back 14 days later to that same group pull 20 more samples, random samples from the group, and then we're going to compare the results. And what we're looking for is we want those egg counts to reduce by 90%. Right. If we don't reduce them by 90% or more, uh, the parasitologists that, that, that we work with say, hey, we may have had an anthelmintic or deworming failure. Uh, so it could be resistance. It could be misapplication. It could be underdosing, misdosing. So it could be a lot of things, but resistance is one thing that it might be. And if it is, we can typically put together a program, get a different class of dewormer in there, get those cattle cleaned up and break that resistance cycle. So talk to us just a little bit, you know, through ProTrition and our local cooperatives in particular, um, we sell a feed-through product, a pelleted product, and we also sell a block. Uh, and, and these are very convenient ways to deworm cattle. Uh, so talk to us a little bit about how to use those products and and where to use those products and, and, you know, the rates and all those type of things. You bet, John. And I think, you know, uh, you know, and I'm guilty of the same thing. A lot of times we deworm our cattle when it's most convenient for us. So if we have those cows in the chute, uh, if we're spring calving herd and we have those cattle in the chute late summer, early fall, and we're weaning calves, we deworm at that time. And then maybe in the spring we deworm when we've got some extra labor at home for the weekend, uh, whoever, whatever it may be, or we've got another process that we need to do with those cattle. So that's the reason we have them in the chute. Sometimes those aren't the optimal times to be deworming. And unfortunately, I certainly understand that we're not going to regather cattle because I need to wait and deworm in a month. Uh, so I think the feed products that we have, like you mentioned, the pellets or the blocks, it gives us an opportunity that go ahead and do what you need to to the cattle. But if we need to wait a month to deworm or, or it's not time to deworm, then we can get these cattle treated and I think get the biggest bang for our buck out of our deworming dollar. And we can do it through the feed and that way we're not having to repin those cattle right. or gather them because we know that that's not that's not a viable option in most cases. And John, I'd say probably the most frequently asked question that we get, uh, most people recognize Safeguard is a very efficacious product, very trusted brand. But when we start talking about using the feed through products, there's concern. The biggest question we get is how do I know all my cattle are going to get their dose? Right. And uh, I will tell you that, uh, you know, we offer a Safeguard guarantee. Uh, so, you know, we stand behind the product. 
Uh, if we do fecals pre and post and we don't clean the cattle up, we, we stand behind the product. So we've got a guarantee. Um, but I would tell you that just some basic management tips. So the blocks, as you mentioned, um, you know, that's a free choice product that we're going to put out there. It has salt in there as a limiter. So on the blocks, yeah, you'll put those blocks out and the cattle are, you know, we want to make sure the cattle know what a block is. So it's a product that they're used to eating. Uh, the blocks have, uh, you know, a 16, 17% salt. That's a limiter. So those boss cows come up and feed first, but they're going to back away so the more timid cows can come get their dose. So that's kind of how the blocks work. Um, having salt in there is a limiter so all the animals get their dose. I think the most important thing to remember when we start talking about the safeguard pellets, uh, and we're going to be mixing this in with our feed and putting it in a bunk, probably the first thing that we need to make sure that we, to get an effective deworming is enough bunk space. Right. And you just want to make sure you've got enough bunk space that when you mix this feed and you put it out in the bunk that all the animals can get there, get their head in there and get their dose. And bunk space is important for just general management anyway. It is. So. It is. And, uh, you know, I've helped a lot of my neighbors uh, do this that have smaller herds and maybe we're mixing up enough feed for 25 or 30 cows and we're just doing it in tubs and we're putting it out. And I'll tell you, most of them will tell me, oh, I got plenty of bunk space. And when I get there, they're probably a little bit shy on bunk space. Right. So just want to make sure we've got, got enough room. So just some basic feeding. basic And, feeding and it's it. really easy with the product that we uh, manufacturer using a safeguard uh, uh, raw compound, if you will, to manufacture these pellets. Um, and we formulate that product to, to be fed one pound per thousand pounds of body weight. Right. And so a bag will do basically 25, 25 heads, 25 pound bag. And, and that, that is very easy to calculate. There's no real calculation. You know, how many, how many pounds are you deworming? Uh, if you're deworming a thousand pound cow, it'll do you know, uh, uh, 25 cows, but, but, uh, you know, some of the cows are bigger, some are smaller, but, but in reality, uh, it is a very convenient way uh, to deworm cattle. Absolutely. And, and one tip that I would, would mention is that anytime you're going to calculate how much product you need, like with the pellets, uh, let's calculate all the body weight of all the cattle in the pasture. Uh, let's get to that number first. So if we've got calves that are big enough to stick their head in there, let's make sure we include that into our calculation of our total body weight. And then if like if we're using the pellets, we're just going to divide that out, that one bag does 25,000 and determine how many pounds or how many bags we're going to need to deworm that group of cattle. And, you know, one of the questions we get is, uh, as I mentioned, was how do I know they all get their dose? The other question is, well, do the feed products work as well as if I run them through the chute and gave them safeguard either through a paste or through a drench? The answer is absolutely yes. They're both labeled. They're indicated for the treatment and control of the same parasites. And, uh, you know, if we get that product into them, it's going to have the same type of effect as if we gave them a drench or a paste through the chute. Right. So so that that is, uh, you hit the point I wanted to really get on is how do they get their dose? Well, the one thing you mentioned that I'm glad you did was take the calves into consideration, the total number of animals that are going to be at that bunk. And, uh, you know, let's don't just talk about the cows. Let's take the total number, uh, and you, you know as well as I do, uh, calf doesn't have to be real big to be in that bunk. So we really want to consider that as we as we do that because we don't want to underdose. Uh, so that's one thing, certainly a great point that you made there about taking all that into consideration. Uh, so with uh, 
with Safeguard, I just want to reiterate some things with our audience before we wind up here. Uh, one is, remember, uh, if you need assistance with fecal egg counts and some diagnostic work, you can you can check with your local co-op. They can get with uh, uh, the Safeguard folks and, and uh, the, can assist you with that. Um, certainly uh, would be glad to do that. Um, and watch... Uh, Watch for uh, some you know, specials and things that the local co-op might offer on the product, in particular in the spring and the April uh, time frame, and, and just kind of be, be aware of that. And, and also uh, remember, too, that, that uh, these options are available. They do work, and they are uh, very convenient for us because, as we well know, labor uh, is, is expensive, uh, even if it's my own time, you know, so... So we want to keep that in mind. Uh, one of the things that, that I, I guess we need to, I guess, tell our audience, this is a beef um, uh, segment, but uh, we need, you know, we have a lot of sheep and goat people, and I just want to make sure that they know what the labeling is for, for this product. And so would you talk about that? You bet. Um, the, the, when we look at, look at the Safeguard family of products, uh, the product that we have that is labeled for, you, for use in goats would be our Safeguard suspension. Um, so that's going to be, be our limited factor. We don't have a sheep or goat label approved for our feed-through products. Uh, what I always recommend is, you know, consult with your your animal health professional, whether that be your local veterinarian, whoever it may be, um, and, and consult with them about your deworming program for your sheep and goats. Because unfortunately, there, there's not a lot of, of, of options out there for sheep and goats. So that, that's a good source, John, that I always, if I get that question, I'll let folks know that you can use Safeguard. It's going to be in the drench or the liquid form. Uh, if you need to look at other things or have more questions than that, those questions of your local veterinarian would be the best person to help you uh, answer those questions. And, you know, any livestock producer, no matter what species, needs to have a great relationship with a local veterinarian that can help with these type things. So, uh, great point. Uh, Kevin, I want to thank you for being with us uh, today. I want to thank you for your time and, and also the relationship with Merck and Safeguard and, and certainly uh, want to uh, look forward to... Uh, uh, more uh, good things in the future. Thank you for telling our audience a little bit about Safeguard, and we certainly appreciate it. And I would like to say to our audience, if you do have more questions about these products or other products, please contact the folks at your local co-op. Thanks for joining us. Mm -hmm.